Next Sunday uh, afternoon, 4 o'clock, we're going to have a reception for newcomers. So if you, uh, and if you want to know the definition of a newcomer, it's someone who feels like they're a newcomer. Uh, and it'll be over in the fellowship hall. I'll probably go, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. Staff will be there. We'll talk about, uh, um, about the church, what we believe in, our history, uh, just any questions that you may have about that. And then we'll talk about anything you want to talk about because it's primarily to get to, uh, to get to know you a little bit and I have you an opportunity to get to know us. So uh, next Sunday at uh, 4 o'clock. Would you stand with me, uh, in case you didn't hear, uh, in the first service, my grandson was dedicated, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't get the video of it, but I think Ken got some shots, and they'll probably go up. It's, it, was, it was a moment, let me tell you. Um, would you read with me from uh, John chapter 13? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need not only wash their feet, their whole body is clean, and you are clean though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that's in your word. I thank you for your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what, what you would say to us today. Help us to be able to follow this example that you have given to us. Empower us by the Holy Spirit. We're your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
There's a, a story about Charles Wesley. He uh, was a great hymn writer and brother of John Wesley. Uh, apparently, he was also quite a gardener and was very fond of working in his garden. And in his old age, um, he apparently was asked at one time by one of his neighbors, uh, Brother Wesley, what would you do if you knew that this were going to be your last day on earth? What would you be doing right now if you were doing it? And uh, apparently... Uh, Charles Wesley really didn't have to think about it very much. He just said, I would be working in this garden. Point being that he was living his life in such a fashion that he was doing whatever God, he felt like God wanted him to do, regardless of if it was going to be his last day or if, it was going, if he had another 50 years left, which is exactly the way that it, that it should be done. I first came to this church in 1988, and we, uh, um, that year there was a, a, a book that came out, a little booklet actually called 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988. And the guy didn't have the exact day nailed down that Jesus was coming, but he, he had it within two or three days. Uh, and the Sunday before Jesus was coming back, we had revival. We had people show up who'd never been there before. We had conversions. I don't know any of their names because Jesus didn't come back that week and neither did they. And we have a tendency to get, to get all excited or to get all, to make changes if we think this is it. This is the end. This, this is this is the last time I'll get to do this, so maybe I'll do it right this time. I don't know. Something. I mean, we, we have that tendency, and that's, that's just not right. We, we, should, we should live that way all the time. And I did uh, this last week. I was involved in my fourth funeral of this summer, none of which were expected or anticipated the week before they happened. Uh, hey, guys, we should always be living like this is, this is it. Jesus knew that this was it for him. He knew that it was his, his last night before the cross. And it didn't change the way he functioned, the way he operated, because he always only did whatever the Father told him to do and only said whatever the Father told him to say. So it didn't, didn't change that. But it makes it particularly poignant, makes it particularly of special significance. And so chapters 13 through 17 of John are what Jesus would do on his last night, knowing that it was his last night. And he didn't know, for it says Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world, go to the Father. And Jesus teaches many memorable things on this night and has a, a lot of verses that you've heard from Scripture and kind of have worked their way by osmosis into your life, probably are from these chapters. But he starts out not by saying something, but by doing something. Something intentionally and something that was meant for us. <clears throat> because he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So, well, now he was, you know, talking to the disciples there. Well, he was talking to us we have a tendency to look at passage in the scripture and I think it's a rightful tendency 
uh, when Jesus is talking to people and saying, well, that's not just for them, that's for us too. And it's true. Well, this isn't just for them. This is for us too. And I think there's going to be some things that will come out today that might be of particular significance for us at this time. So what did he do? Well, he washed his disciples' feet. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer garment. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He filled a basin with water and he began to to wash his disciples' feet because that's what Jesus does. Different people have different styles. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm wearing a particularly stylish coat today, uh, which is kind of my style. (laughs) Actually, my son-in-law picked it out. Uh, The Dowager Countess of Grantham has a particular style about her, uh, as does her her son, the Earl of Grantham. And, you know, they're very, it's a very, it's an identifiable style. Uh, Lady Gaga and Gene Simmons have a very identifiable style. It's different, but it's style. People have People have styles. They have, they have the way that they do things. Uh, I have a friend named Gail Irwin who wrote a book called The Jesus Style. And if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend you reading it. But it speaks of how Jesus conducted his life because he's very consistent in the way that he conducted his life. And there was a very certain style to it. And the essence of that style is captured in this act that he did on this night. Now, he had every right to claim that this service be done for him. And it, it, was, it was a needed service. I mean, they didn't have as many paved roads anyway as we have nowadays. A um, lot, of, lot of dust, a lot of dirt. They didn't wear the kind of shoes we wore. A lot of people went barefoot. Uh, sandals and the stuff is what they wore. And so, you know, to sit down and enjoy a meal, it'd be kind of nice to get, some, get the dirt off your feet. Nobody had done it. And Jesus had the right to say, hey, Fred, go, uh, go get some water and wash our feet. Uh, when Mary anointed him at Bethany and anointed his feet, others had rebuked her and said, you know, uh, why did she do this? This is such a waste. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. Wherever this gospel is preached, what she's done will be remembered, be told in memory of her. But he hadn't ordered her to do it. He hadn't, he hadn't even requested her to do it. She did it out of love. And that's what made it beautiful. That's what made it a beautiful thing that she had done for him. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, to walk the line between encouraging people and things that they should do and, and manipulating. But let me tell you what the difference is, because Jesus never manipulated anybody. Manipulation is when you begin to take options away from people so that they have no option other than what it is you want them to do. Encouraging, you leave all the options open. You just try and help them find what the right one is. And so God never manipulates us, but when we do something out of love, that's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to get us to see. And whenever people freely offered worship and service to Jesus, he allowed it. He, he, he allowed it. There, there, was no, there was no false modesty in Jesus because there was nothing false in him. So there was never any of this, oh, no, 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 you can't, you, no, no, not, 
No, don't do that for me. You know, no, uh-uh. When, when he saw somebody who was willing from the heart to serve him, he let them do it. He let them do it. He, he, he had the right to do that. But the thing is, it wasn't Jesus' style to always claim his rights. In rebuking Peter later on that very night, this very night, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. The, the soldiers came to, uh, uh, to arrest Jesus, and Peter drew his sword and tried to kill Malchus and, and missed his head and cut his ear off. And, and Jesus told him, put the sword away. And he said, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. And over in Hezekiah's day, one angel killed 185,000 of the enemy. So 12 legions could, could take care of quite a, a lot more than Peter could take care of. Jesus said, but if I did that, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Let's say it has to happen this way. If, if, I, if, I, were to, if I were to claim my rights here, life is nuanced. We would like for it to be such a way where... It, one plus one always equals two. And if you get A and B and put them together, you'll always get C. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and so we'd like for it to be so that we've got a rule for this situation and a rule for that situation and a rule for this situation. And the reason why we want that is if we have a rule for every situation, then we know what to do. And we don't have to ask God. Don't need his leadership. Thank you very much. I've got this. I understand how to do it. But, and, and there are places in life. I'm not saying there aren't rules to be followed. I'm just saying most of life is nuanced. And you need to hear something from the Holy Ghost. To know what to do in a situation. And how to move in a situation. When, when, uh, when Paul was at Philippi. He didn't use his rights as a Roman citizen to keep from being beaten and thrown into jail. Now, he did at Jerusalem because apparently God told him it's okay to do it there. But for some reason, God said, don't do it at Philippi. And so Paul went, okay, let's, here we go, beating, thrown into jail. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that there was a jailer in his family who needed to get saved that night. And God was going to do something a whole lot more important than whether or not Paul got a beating. So he gave up his rights. For that time. Philippians 2 verse 6 says, speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And a lot of times we get taught things about God and what he's given us and what we can do and the position and everything so that we'll know how to use it to our advantage. That's not what it's for. It's, it's not given to us. Jesus, that's not the example that Jesus set. And it was Jesus' style to set an example. So he washed the disciples' feet, and among the people whose feet he washed, there were traitors and deniers and, and cowards. Uh, the scripture makes it plain that Judas was present and that both he and Jesus knew what was going on, knew what was going to happen. Uh, the evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And, and Jesus knew who it was that was going to betray him. That's why he said not everyone was clean. 
Jesus washed Judas's feet apparently without incident, which that in, in and of itself says, says volumes. This is an example for us. Someone, you ever been betrayed by anybody? Ever, ever have anybody stab you in the back? Break faith with you? Break confidence? Do you wrong? Ever thought about washing their feet? I, uh, uh, I, I'll just have to say that uh, the, the new Pope, Pope Francis, has my admiration about a lot of things. I think he gets a lot of things right. And uh, he, um, uh, one of the things that, that he does that I, that I just kind of go, you know, I know it's symbolic, but it's a, such a powerful symbol to so many people. Is, is he, he, he goes and washes people's feet, and we're not talking about bishops and cardinals and archbishops we're talking about. He'll go find prisoners. He'll go to prisons. He'll, um, the poor in places, um, people who you would normally think would be his enemies, uh, Muslims and, and people from other, other uh, faiths. And, and he's not saying... At least I don't think he's saying, I know I wouldn't be saying, he's not saying, oh, you know, you're right. What he's saying is, let me show you what Jesus looks like. So many conflicts in the world today that just seem totally unresolvable. I mean, you, you look at it from both sides and both sides have every reason in the world to not let go, to not stop. Uh, virtually anywhere you look in the globe. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the situation in, in Israel, for example. You know, I mean, the, what got started right now got started apparently. Um, there's an Israeli teenager who was kidnapped and killed or something. And then, and then, then there were like three um, uh, Palestinian kids uh, who were kidnapped and killed. And the next thing you know, boom, here we go again. You know, and one side shooting rockets and one side shooting bombs. And, you know, there's so many things in the world that are happening that will continue to happen because nobody's willing to lay down the sword and pick up the basin. And it's not just global conflict. It happens in households. It happens in working relationships. It happens in families. The most ink, of course, is given to Peter, <clears throat> as is kind of regular. Before, before this night was over, Peter would uh, declare that he would die for Christ. He would try to kill someone else for Christ, and then he would deny Christ to keep from dying for Christ. And then later on, he would come back. I mean, Peter was all over the place. Anybody identify with that? <laughs> I know I do. I'm just, you know, here and there and kind of, kind of everywhere. He was the only one to refuse to let Christ wash his feet. Talk about false humility. God says, I want to do this. And Peter goes, no, no. 
See, at times we see God doing something in our lives and we draw back. And I'm not talking about hard stuff or things that the enemy sends. I'm talking about God doing something in our lives. And we draw back and go, no, uh uh-uh. And when, when, those, when those situations come around, when those situations happen, here is a very important verse to remember. You do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. When we dedicated Jack this morning, I said, you don't realize what's being done for you right now. But later you're going to understand. And he looked at me like he understood right now. I, he's, 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 he's a smart little boy. My parents, uh, there's a hymn, camp meeting song probably more than a hymn, that uh, they used to sing frequently in, in the church. Trials dark on every hand and we cannot understand. All the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. And we will understand it better by and by. By and by when the morning comes. When the saints of God are gathered home. We will tell the story how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Yeah, some of you are as old as I am. And you also need to remember that Jesus not only said, you don't realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand, but he also said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. The only way to have a part in Christ is through what he can do, not through what we can do. It's it's something only he can do for us. And so then, once Peter heard that, he was the only one to request a whole bath. I think Peter may have been an American. Supersize me, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, one cookie's good and two cookies are better. Fifty cookies. A couple of months ago, or a few months ago, I made the comment about uh, having grown up with a, with a desire as a child to get a, uh, a package of cinnamon rolls and eat the icing off the top. You have to be careful what you say when you're a pastor. Because <laughs> I had a bunch of cinnamon rolls come in during that, next, that next, next week. And I discovered that my tastes have changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Margaret kept reminding me, you don't need all that. <laughs> no, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Most of the time, I mean, the ink may go to Peter and our focus may go, wow, he washed Judas's feet. But most of the time was spent with everybody else, with the other ten whose feet he washed. 
Most are not specifically named. In fact, the others are not specifically named. But among those who are nameless was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in fact, I think that epitaph could be put to all of them. See, the level of publicity and the level of notoriety that we receive on earth has absolutely no correlation whatsoever with what heaven thinks. With the eyes, with the eyes of heaven. Most, most of us are not notorious like Judas. I mean, we're, we, we've, we have betrayed him, make no mistake about it. But we're just not as notorious as, as Judas. And most of us don't have uh, personalities quite as big as Peter. And so maybe don't get quite as much attention as he does. So not everybody is, is, is as big. Not everybody's notorious, but everybody needs to be washed. You only need one bath in this particular case, but you need to have your feet washed pretty frequently. You need to, you, you need to have that refreshing. That, that needs to come around on a pretty regular basis. And so where does, where does the power come from to do this? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus first of all, knew where he came from and where he was going. And when you know that, there's, there's a, there is a confidence, there is a strength there. When you, when you know who you are and where you're going, you're not threatened by the insecurities that plague most people. Roots are becoming increasingly rare uh, in, our, in our culture and in our society. But knowing you belong is a powerful thing. I said this last week, I was involved in a, a funeral of Stoney Fairweather, and I think most of you uh, who knew Stoney are aware that he went home to be with the Lord this last Wednesday. And I met Stoney at the Lord's Chapel and back in 76. And so it got me to thinking about the first time I ever went to the Lord's Chapel, which I can't remember if it was 76 or 75. I know it was pre-Margaret, first time I went to the Lord's Chapel. And... I remember walking into the place, and you know how sometimes people say, well, you walk in and you just feel like, I'm home, I'm here, this is it. Well, on one level, you know, I thought, yeah, this is good, but on one level, I, I felt like such a stranger. I know anybody. Uh, I'm not sure, but I believe Wade Hutchison was there that night. And he had a brother and a sister there, and he'd been going to the chapel for a while. And, you know, there was this group of people about my age who were standing over there talking to each other and everything like that. And, and I remember standing there and just thinking, wow, I wish I was part of this. I, I, I don't feel included. I guess that's one of the reasons why I always... It, it, you know, when somebody new comes to the church and I, and I realize that there's somebody new, and I apologize when I come up to you after you've been here for six months and say, you know, have I, we ever met? And you go like five times. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I don't, you know, things don't stick as well as they used to. Some things stick a lot more. But, but you know, that's one of the reasons why I really, I really have a, a, a feeling for 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 new people or for people who've not, 
you know, it's not that I'm recruiting. It's just that I, I feel for them because when you, don't, when you don't feel connected, when you don't feel like you belong, that's a terrible feeling. That's just awful. But when you, when you feel like I'm a part of this, this is it. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is home. These are my people. These are my folk. Yeah. Then you can contribute. Then you can, then you can be a part of what's going on. Then, you, then, then nothing, nothing really is standing in the way. And concerning where you came from, Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received brought about your adoption of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. That's where we came from. We, we are, we're in the family. We belong to him. And you're going back to him. Because Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me. So that where I am, so that you also may be where I am. I was getting ready to quote another version. But. And so, as, as a believer, you, sh- that you know where you came from. And you, and you know where you're going. And you, you've, got that, you've got that level of confidence. And Jesus knew that God had placed all things under his power. And so he wasn't threatened. He, he was not threatened. He, he knew who he was and what, what he had and what he could do. Back um, several decades ago, I stopped carrying a billfold in my back pocket. And my body has been grateful to me ever since, almost from day one. Um, <clears throat> But as I got a little older, and, uh, you know, when you get older, they start making the front, front pockets of your pants tighter <laughs> than they were when you were younger. And so putting things in my front pockets began to become kind of a problem. So I got myself a man purse. <laughs> and many of you remember it. I mean, you know, yeah, Absolutely. Until, until the iPhone came out with a little case where you could put cards in it. You know, I, I had this man person. You know, I could put, put, put money in it and your iPhone in it and put, put uh, um, a comb in it. You know, just anything you want. No makeup, but, you know, every, everything else. Just, just kind of put it in there and, and carry it around. And I remember, I, I remember one day I was at the grocery store. You know, I would get, I would get looks occasionally. And I remember one day I was at the grocery store, and this and this brother who used to attend the church here, and he uh, he had he had he had left. He uh, came and went several times, quite frankly. And I don't think it was about the purse because he when I when I saw him at the store, it was like he had never seen it before, you know. And I remember him coming up to me at the store and going, "Brother, uh uh-uh. uh." And I remember looking at him and saying, "Uh huh." This does not threaten my manhood. I'm over 60 years old, and if I don't know who I am by now, this isn't going to change anything. There's a lot of teaching about what what God has done for us and the power that he's given to us and what our position is in Christ. And and all all that's great because you need to know that, but it's not given to us so that we can bully. It's not given to us so that we can get anything. It's given to us so that we can pick up the basin and put the towel around our waist and feel no threat whatsoever to our position or standing. 
Jesus knew that God had placed all things under his power. And what Jesus did here was a beautiful thing because it was motivated by love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. When people go on a mission trip, they often, uh, <clears throat> almost invariably, feel great love for the people, uh, especially if they're people who uh, have poverty-type situations and, and things like that. I mean, you know, they'll go wherever it may be, uh, Mexico, the Dominican, Kenya, wh wherever it may be, they'll, they'll tend to come back and go, man, the people just stole my heart. I, I just fell in love with the people. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that, but... Because people are people, really, wherever you go. They're, they're good people, they're bad people. They really are. You know, we have a tendency sometimes to come back from a missions trip and go, there's nobody bad over there. Yeah, they got bad people too. You know. But we also have a tendency to come back from a mission trip and go, well, there's nobody good here. Yes, we, we have, people are people, okay? But, but what, what tends to make that happen in, in our hearts is our hearts really go out to them because we see their struggles, we see the, the, their pain, and we see the things that they deal with and, and how they still have the same aspirations and the same goals that we can identify with. Jesus took a missions trip. He came to earth, and he already loved us, okay? But I think the missions trip probably added a little bit more to that because he saw how broken we were. He saw how shattered we were. He saw the desperation in our lives. And yet the aspirations are there because God has placed eternity in the hearts of every person. And yet trapped in this situation. His heart went out to us. And it was certainly reflected at the cross, but it was also reflected at the table. You see, the big acts of heroic love, the big acts of sacrifice are often much easier to do than the mundane acts of love. Much easier to step in front of the bullet than to pick up the dishcloth, go dry the dishes. That's a dish towel, isn't it? Dish, I do know the difference. I, I use those tools. <laughs> well, let me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me just give you an example. I mean, you know, y'all know Margaret. She's, she's a beautiful woman, wonder, wonderful, wonderful wife. And, you know, and I, I'm thankful every day, almost, that <laughs> I am thankful every day. I, I just, and it's not her, it's me, Okay. On the days that I'm not. But it seems like, you know, there are times when she can be in the kitchen and she is cleaning up in such a way that I know she is saying, you need to be in here helping me. <laughs> but I'm doing something that I'm enjoying doing. 
And I know she loves me so much, she wants me to enjoy myself. If I, if I, if I, am I reading anybody's mail? I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a choice. I have a choice at that point in time. I don't always make the right choice. And you don't either. But some of you don't ever make the right choice. So let me just, let me just get that out of the way. I have a choice to keep on doing what it is I'm doing and pretend like I don't know what that sound, those sounds mean. <laughs> but after 38 years, I do know what they mean. Or I can put down what I'm doing and go and pick up the dish towel, spend some time with her. That's how you wash somebody's feet. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And you will be. Yeah, I don't know how personal I should get, but, I, but I'll do this. You, you know, on, on, those, on, those, on those occasions when I'm hearing that noise in the kitchen and I decide to stay here, sometimes the rest of the, rest of the evening's a little frosty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't take it, don't take that too far it, it's just a little, you know there's just an edge on the rest of the evening that's somewhat unpleasant sometimes and on and on the times that I'll put that down and go and spend 15 minutes 20 minutes and sometimes just 10 you know, putting, putting a few things away, drying some, some things off. Yeah. I have a, there's, there's this glow in the home. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And it's not just that. You know, it's not, it's not just, there are people whose Feet you need to wash. There are relationships needing to be restored. There are prodigals needing to be uh, reinstated. There are conflicts needing to be resolved. And he set us an example. And now that we know these things, we will be blessed. If we do them, would you stand with me? I love you guys. I just love preaching to Christians. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then a non-Christian listens, but... Uh, they don't usually they aren't usually the, typically the ones who come 
those who are going to pray with people come down front and if you're here and you need prayer if you're here and you don't know Christ we'd love to introduce you to him he's, he's a wonderful Savior and a wonderful Lord and I you know, I've been walking with him for almost 40 years now and I just can't imagine I, I thought when I before I came to him I thought you know I can't imagine life with Christ I can't imagine life without Christ but if you uh, if you if you do know him that doesn't mean that you don't have need of prayer so the altars are open this is the time for that uh, come let's pray with you let these brothers and sisters uh, agree with you and if you don't need to come worship with us let's uh, create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move there's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you are living for your prayer
God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world as an example may that example be imprinted upon your life may his style become your style may you walk in the freedom and the confidence and the, and the, and the servanthood of those who know where they came from where they're going and what their God has done for them through Jesus Christ our